Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Anne. I feel like this is the first time in a few weeks where we've had non-Kardashian related stories in general, but also ones that we're actually excited to talk about. And see, I feel like you've been in (laughs) denial about that fact. (laughs) No, I mean, I think we're self-aware enough to acknowledge that it's definitely been Kardashian heavy recently, which clearly we don't have a problem with, but I know that that's not everyone's preference. And I guess it just feels good that other people are rising to the occasion. Here's the thing. I need people to step up a lot more. Like, a lot more. But Ben and JLo buying a $50 million Bel Air house together is a really, really strong start. And what I keep saying to myself is just manifest that architectural digest tour because yes, a spread we would love, but imagine a video tour of the two of them walking us through this 10 bedroom, 17 bathroom home. You know, and that's what I love about you most is because a lot of people's instinct would be to manifest an engagement. Not us. We're manifesting Arc Digest tours out here. (laughs) I mean, we know how the engagement worked out last time. So I feel like the Architectural Digest tour is a little bit more of the safer option. Well, let me ask you, do you think an engagement is coming? I don't know. You know, I really go back and forth because I think about her interview she did with Rolling Stone last month where she's talking about them together in 2002. I have that one quote here and she says, quote, it's funny because Ben and I were together and we were so in love. It was one of the happiest times of my life, but also there was this other thing happening. We were being criticized and it really destroyed our relationship from the inside out because we were just too young to understand at that time what were really the most important things in life. Like I said, we learned a lot. We know what's real, what's not real. So it's just the game has changed. And when I hear her say that to me, it gives off the vibe of somebody who's kind of taking it, not necessarily slow, but being very intentional in the whole process and knowing how easily it could go wrong. And so to me, knowing their history and knowing how engagements have kind of 
like soured things for her in the past, I would think maybe she would take time on this. But then I, I see them buying a house and I'm like, I don't know, I guess it would only make sense that an engagement would follow suit. So I'm very, very torn. There's a part of me that kind of feels like the house is the in place of the engagement for right now, almost like they're both ready and they've both acknowledged it, but they don't want to go through the media circus of an engagement again. But that is also in my mind what the Rolling Stone article is saying, because it's basically like, you know, there was a lot of press the first time around and we couldn't handle it. And there was so much criticism and it destroyed our relationship. And basically they're saying, you know, we're ready to go through that again. Like we're ready for that criticism. We're ready for that press circus. Only this time we've grown from that and we're going to be able to handle it. Because the second that engagement comes, and I'm assuming that it will come, that's going to be reinvigorated all over again. Also, by the way, we'll put the link in the description in case anyone didn't see it, but they're apparently in escrow for this $50 million house in Bel Air. It's 20,000 square feet, 10 bedrooms, 17 bathrooms, multiple kitchens. It has a theater, a gym, obviously a pool. I mean, it's gorgeous. Like, wouldn't you say this was just objectively gorgeous? Uh, Yeah. I mean, (laughs) rarely will you ever show me a $50 million Bel Air home with 17 bathrooms. And I would just be like, you know what? Not my taste. Like I'll make it my taste. Yeah. But think about it realistically, of course, like who are you to say no, but sometimes we see these and they're just so overly gaudy that it feels like almost palatial and the type of thing where you want to look at it, you can maybe admire it, but you couldn't imagine living in this where I could move in with a toothbrush tomorrow to this one. That's a fair point. This one's a home. And I and I do feel that way. And I think that's a really fair point. It is. It does feel like a home. And now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like that's what they were on the search for. Like, we've been seeing rumors and paparazzi photos of them searching for a house together since, I think, July. And when those rumors first came out, I think it was reported that J-Lo was looking to buy the home and Ben Affleck was kind of just going along for the ride or helping her out. And now we're seeing that they clearly are moving in together and that the home that they were looking for is for the both of them. I feel like this entire time has been them searching for their dream home and their like quote forever home. And this is it. You know, they've spoken about the relationship and each other. I would say relatively minimally in relationships. And a lot of that is because, as they said, the first time it was so ruined by the media circus that they want to try to protect it. And I get that. And I can't tell if we're in the minority because every time we talk about them, we get a lot of mixed feedback. I think some people are just so, or were so impacted by how negatively it went down the first time that they don't understand why they would want to try it again. And they just think there's no world in which it could ever work out. To me, I'm hopeful. And I think my hope comes from the fact that I associate this couple with the level of star power of a Jen Aniston and a Brad Pitt. Like to me, it's that big of a deal. And I don't know. I just, I just want it to work. No, I feel the same way. I mean, there's so much here and I actually feel like they've been relatively quiet as of recent. So there hasn't been that much to discuss, but as you're talking, my mind is racing like crazy. There's so many layers to this relationship because I don't think that them being together and loving them together is an unpopular opinion by any means. I think that any negative criticism about the relationship is maybe unfairly, but factually pointed at JLo's past relationships, which is leading people to then criticize this relationship. I don't think it's about the two of them in general. I think that actually, for the most part, people feel like maybe this is it. Maybe she finally got it right. Maybe this is who it was meant to be all along. And I think people are really operating in that mindset. And that's what's helping 
fuel this in a more positive way? Because I think that's how I feel. Like in the beginning of this relationship, if you remember when we were talking about it, it was so crazy and the internet was in such a frenzy that it was almost hard to believe that it was real. And that was my mindset for a very long time. When the dust started to settle, I had that thought process where my mind switched and I was like, you know what? Maybe this is how it was meant to be all along. And this could be a crazy thought process and and a little bit optimistic, but maybe that's why none of her other relationships worked out. Like maybe this is what it was meant to come back to all along. That is how I feel and that is my hope. I just can't tell if I'm at all rooted in reality or if I'm kind of warped by a fantasy. I'm still deciding where I land on that. But to your earlier point, I definitely agree that a lot of the criticism or a lot of the reasons for people not thinking this could work or not maybe wanting it to work is unfairly pointed at JLo in her past. But also, I I think that there's another element to that, that it's not so much just looking at them together and not seeing them as a couple, a lot of it is because people still have very, very negative feelings towards Ben Affleck based on the way the whole Jen Gardner thing went down. And I remember when he was on Howard Stern, we did a pretty lengthy discussion on that because personally for me, I had a whole new understanding of him as a person, as a partner, as a director, an actor, a father. Like I really just think it made me have a far more robust understanding of him. And so that also could lead to why I'm, I'm more on board. But I think that if you're somebody who's quick to criticize JLo for the, her past failed relationships, and if you're somebody who is unwilling to forgive Ben Affleck for the hell he put Jen Garner through, then yeah, I mean, it's over too. Or you feel like they're the perfect match in that case. Okay, that's interesting. Thinking that they're the perfect match, both coming from a negative perspective. Like, well, they both suck so much, they may as well have one another. That's what you're saying? Yeah, like kind of. I mean, I I think suck is kind of an extreme term, but I think that if you're somebody who views relationships and specifically Hollywood and specific people in Hollywood really negatively, that when you find two people that you have shared negative opinions about, sometimes when they find each other, you're like, oh, well, they're a match made in heaven. It's not necessarily a positive outlook on the relationship, but it I guess it makes sense in your own mind more than one person being great and one person having negative attributes. Right. In general, I guess people would be more willing to get on board if they didn't feel like one person was like losing their character for being in a relationship with the other person that they deemed to be terrible. I just don't feel that way. I just like both of them. I mean, I guess if I was choosing, I prefer Ben more than JLo just because as you know, I've always had a soft spot for him in addition to him being my number one Hollywood crush. But I don't know. I'm into it and and sue me. No, I'm incredibly on board. I hope this is it for her. I hope this is it for him. Like I really, really hope that we can look back on this podcast and be like, we had it so right about them finally finding the right person. Although JLo almost has this quality about her that makes you feel like every time she finds someone, it's the right person, backup dancers aside. But when she was with A-Rod, I, I couldn't get over how much sense that made to me. And maybe that comes from being in the industry for so long and being so present in our minds where we can look back at the first time A-Rod and JLo met at a baseball game and be like, oh my God, it's so meant to be. Like When you've been around enough times, you can almost force yourself to make those connections with anybody. But... I do feel like there is always something different about J-Lo and Ben Affleck. I feel like even no matter who J-Lo was dating at the time, we always looked back on that relationship and we were like, wow, that was so iconic. And that was like one of the first real celebrity relationships that created this insane media frenzy. So for them to find their way back to each other, yeah, maybe it does make more sense than any other relationship. I don't know if I necessarily would feel that way about Jen Aniston and Brad Pitt though, because I think it's a different narrative. 
Well, with Jen Addison and Brad Pitt, you look back and you can so clearly point to an event that was kind of the downfall of the entire relationship. I'm not saying it was perfect otherwise, but we will always remember that specific time in the Angelina Jolie and the cheating of it all. And it's fully clouded the way that you view that relationship. Whereas JLo and Ben, I don't think that they're trying to rewrite history when they say that the media circus really led to the downfall. And she's right. I mean, this is 20 years later. They are in completely different points in their career. So they are far more confident in who they are and where they stand. And that's not going to be the reason they don't work out. I'm not saying they couldn't work out for another reason, but I definitely don't think it's going to be the media this time around. And then if I really analyze on a personal note, why I feel so strongly, when they got engaged, we were what, eight years old, somewhere around that. And that's exactly the time in my life that I would say is when I started to develop this deep interest in pop culture. And I would start to get People Magazine. Obviously it didn't happen for a few more years, but I just associate that time with such an awakening of really knowing that this is what I wanted to do. And this is the stuff that I loved. Like think about, go back in time for a moment, anybody listening to this, remember reading through like the glossy pages of a people style issue. And there's JLo in that Versace dress that is burned into my brain in a way that I can't quite convey in an at all accurate manner. So yeah, I have a soft spot because it's not just about her. It's about remembering that time in my life and just like being enlightened about how interested I was in the world of entertainment from the spectator or commentator perspective. Well, that's really funny because that's where our two-year age difference comes into play because that was 2002, J-Lo and Ben Affleck. I was six, you were eight. And then when I was eight was when it was Jen, Brad, and Angelina. And that was the first time that I can point to something and be like, wow, that was it for me. Like, that's what got me fucking hooked. And I remember every single magazine cover of the three of them as clear as day. So yeah, that timeline matches up in like a very funny and real way. But also I think the reason that I compare the two relationships in my mind is because of the media frenzy they create. And not just then, I'm I'm talking more specifically now actually, because when JLo and Ben first got together the second time around, I'll never forget the way the internet reacted. Like that was one of my favorite days on the internet ever. And it was so much fun reading everyone's reactions, the memes, the tweets, the camaraderie, everything that we always talk about. It's a very similar thing to what happened at that one second saga word interaction with Jen and Brad. And so I think that's also the high that we're constantly chasing in terms of what is the next big story that's going to break the internet in a way that it hasn't been broken yet. Yeah. And you know something, no disrespect to Kim and Pete, obviously that is the thing that I could talk about the most that I'm the most fascinated by at the moment that obviously we're going to get into in a few minutes, him picking her up at the airport and him being at Scott's house for boys night. Like, do not get me wrong. I quite literally live for this shit. But it just feels different because there is not that same like classical component. It doesn't feel as nostalgic and it feels exciting and new and fresh and like a new era of Kim Kardashian. But <laughs> I don't know the right way to convey this. It's like even me, even me who fucking lives to discuss the Kardashians, there's almost a certain level of like respect or homage I feel I need to pay a J-Lo Ben discussion that you know, the Kim P one can be treated with a little bit more excitement and of the now. Does that make any sense to you or not really? Yeah. I mean, it's completely different. I mean, it represents such a different period in our life in terms of looking back on the past and then connecting that to the now with JLo and Ben. Whereas with P and Kim, 
it's entirely new. Like it is entirely uncharted territory. There's no part of us that looks at this relationship and is like, well, if you remember back in the day, there's none of that here. This is all brand new. This is all fresh. This is all a new era of Kardashian, a new era of Kim, a new era of celebrity culture. So you look at it in two completely different ways inherently. Right. And we need both to make the world go round. Kind of like I love watching a Michael B. Jordan, Lori Harvey relationship, but it elicits a completely different feeling than either of these, similar to Zoe Kravitz and Channing Tatum. That's, I would say, more on the Kim Pete spectrum in terms of just like, holy fuck, this is so exciting and not what we anticipated, but am obsessed with it. There's definitely a different feeling when discussing each of these types of stories. And I guess that's why you need one to make the other feel more fun. Oh God, I could talk about Channing Tatum and Zoe Kravitz all day. You shouldn't have brought that one up. Even before I say what I'm about to say, I know that it's just factually incorrect because it completely goes against the kind of ease and just general coolness that we feel Zoe Kravitz operates with. But what I am waiting for the most with that relationship is the official grid confirmation. And I know it's going to be different than a Kim and Pete situation, but for knowing how much Zoe Kravitz does not operate like this and how little she probably cares to make it, quote, Instagram official, I am still so stupidly excited for when that moment happens, if it happens. I am too. Listen, Instagram official is one of my favorite new coin terms of of this generation. I, I think that when you look at any timeline of relationships, Instagram officials always right in there. It's like they met, they started dating, rumors circulated, they were seen kissing in public, Instagram official. Like that is an important part of every single relationship, specifically celebrity relationships. So I don't think it's a ridiculous thing because Obviously, we know they're dating. Like Jason Momoa just Instagrammed a picture of them going to Zoe's Batman premiere. Like there's no question about them dating. It's just when they decide to put it up on the grid and they decide to take it into their own hands and show us a picture of that and let us in on that intimate level, nothing compares. I'm sorry. Nothing compares. It's the best thing ever. Best thing ever. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. Like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. 
So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. I'd like everyone to just take a moment and remember where you were when you're scrolling through your Instagram stories and you see, let the Lord be with you, captioned boys night. And it's a camera pan. And then all of a sudden in Scott's story, you see Scott. So in that moment, you realize, okay, he's not the one filming it. And then the camera pans to find out that it is actually Pete Davidson who's taking this video. Because let me tell you something, that rocked me to my motherfucking core. Pete knew what he was doing there. And Julie, when I rewatched it for the second or third time, I realized that there was an immediate giveaway in the first second. Because if you see when he initially pans, you can see the tattoos on his leg. So we should have known even before we saw Scott that it wasn't Scott. But my mind wasn't even going there, I, I guess, because I knew that Kim was in Miami for the Skims pop-up. And so I guess I had it considered a reality where Pete would be hanging out with Scott without Kim there. But boy, was I catapulted into that reality real quick. And I, by the way, I don't want to leave. Like, I love this reality that we've been burst into and I just want to stay here. Oh, I mean, forget about it. Pete and Scott together, that's a, that's a reality I wouldn't dare exit. This is one of my favorite things to come from this relationship. I actually am almost willing to go as far as to say that the fact that Scott and Pete have become such close friends throughout this is almost as important to me as the fact that Kim and Pete are dating in the first place. And if you remember correctly, which I actually initially had forgotten about, is when Kim and Pete were first seen together in Staten Island, Scott was there with them at the movies. I believe they were seeing either Spider-Man or House of Gucci. And we couldn't get over the fact that Scott was there. It felt so official to us because of that. And so to see their friendship kind of blossoming on its own, it's a whole other level here. And on top of that, we then get submitted Dumois pictures of Scott, P, and Travis all at Reigns baseball game. That's a lot to handle in the course of a couple of days. No, I mean, that one fucked me up to no end. And by the way, adding in to the Boys Night Insta story with Pete and Scott, and then exactly the photos you said from Dumois of Scott and Pete and Travis all at Reigns game. On top of that, we have Pete picking up Kim in, but I believe to be her Mercedes from the Van Nuys airport after she gets back from Miami. So there's a very good chance that while Kim was in Miami, they not only had the boys movie night, they also had the outing to Reigns baseball game because it feels a little off that he would be going to Rain's baseball game in LA if Kim was also in LA and she wasn't there. The reason that I feel like that wouldn't happen where P and Kim would both be at Rain's baseball game together is because I couldn't imagine a scenario in which both of them are there at the game and Kim's kids aren't. And I don't believe that Pete has met the kids yet. And I don't 
think that Kim is ready to do that. Or maybe Kim is ready to do that, but is respecting Kanye's wishes and not doing so. And so I feel like literally what happened is Scott and Pete had a boys night and they woke up the next morning and Scott said, want to come to Rain's baseball game? And Pete was all over that shit. Or in the reverse order. So all this time, Kim is still in Miami at the Skims pop-up and they go to the baseball game. After the baseball game, they kind of go to Scott's for almost like a nightcap. They all get kind of stoned and pass out. Not a crazy alternative. Something really interesting about the dynamic here is then taking this a step further and examining the dynamic between Pete, Travis, and Scott, because also one of the first times that we saw Kim and Pete together, I think it was the first time, was when they were at the amusement park and it was Kim and Pete and Tracy and also Courtney and Travis. And we had said, you know, Travis and Pete are the link here because MGK is mutually their best friends and presumably they are friends with each other and very close. And so that made sense. Scott and Pete being together at the movies was like, okay, this new friendship is taking on. It'll be interesting to see now if Pete can kind of be that link between Travis and Scott and really bring them all together as a family. I'm not kidding. Like, <laughs> I, I know that sounds so ridiculous, but I think Pete is going to be able to make a Jason Momoa, Lenny Kravitz situation out of Scott and Travis. I'm dead serious. I don't know why you're laughing over there. <laughs> I'm laughing because I think that you're right. And also as you're talking about MGK being the very clear link between Travis and Pete and that they presumably had a friendship before. And when, again, like you said, Kim and him first started dating and we see them with Travis, we understand in our minds why it makes so much sense. I swear to you, in the last month or so, I have completely forgotten the Machine Gun Kelly is even at all a factor. And in my mind, the only reason that Pete and Travis are getting along and hanging out in this way is solely because of the Kim Courtney connection. Like, doesn't it kind of feel like that if you didn't have the previous knowledge of MGK, doesn't it just feel so natural? People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather. And their signature sheets are their bestseller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from Twin up to California King. I have them in the color Stone. I have them in the color Mineral. I have the Waffle Blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality. And their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30-night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and... I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. 
And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. What I'm really curious about actually is when Kim said in the Variety interview that we were going to see exactly how the Pete situation played out. Like that is something that will be covered in the show. I am so incredibly interested to see what role Travis and or MGK played in this all happening. Because in my mind, when I saw the pictures of them at the amusement park the first time around, there was no question that that is what happened, that they played some sort of a role in hooking the two of them up. It could have also happened that Kim DM'd him and just went for it. And, you know, they all kind of realize this link between them and start hanging out after the fact. But to me, there's something really funny about the thought of Travis texting MGK to say that Kim wants Pete. By the way, I'm absolutely obsessed with just reliving every single potential detail of what could have transpired here. And I want to go back to what you said in a second, because it's not that I think it's not possible. And if we were talking about non-famous people or even famous people that weren't Kim, I think that that is a very legitimate situation that could happen where she would let it be known to Travis. Travis would let it be known to MGK. MGK would text Pete. And then they kind of have this group discussion of like, dude, I swear to God, I'm not fucking with you. This actually happened. Kim actually like wants to reach out to you. So it's, I'm not saying that it's impossible. I just feel like that's not the way Kim operates. And I know we saw her in that Ellen clip and she was so giddy and so smitten and she did almost revert back to this childlike crush. And so it would make sense that she'd like do the equivalent of passing a note in school. You know, Kim wants to date you, check the box, yes or no. But I just feel like she'd be more straightforward about it. She obviously had his number from SNL and I feel like she would have went for it directly. Or maybe that's just what I view her to do. And she'd actually operate a little bit more in like the Travis connection way, but couldn't you also see a world in which she just went directly to the source? And then wait, let me take that a step further. Then Travis finds out from MGK texting Pete being like, dude, I don't know if someone's pranking me, but Kim Kardashian just texted me seeing if I wanted to go out. And then Travis finds out about that from MGK calling Travis and being like, dude, get this. This is my favorite thing to discuss in the entire world. And you know what's so unfortunate is not to not to make this a negative, no matter how many answers we get from the new show, we'll never have all of them. Like I, I will never be satisfied until I know every single text exchange, every word that was said, every conversation that occurred between every single party involved. I will not be satisfied until I get literal recordings. Like wiretapping recordings. I won't be satisfied until I have those because there is so much information that we will never know here. They can break up tomorrow and I will still want all of that just as badly. The thing with trying to theorize about what Kim did and what's most like her personality and what we would most expect her, the fact that this revolves all around dating Pete Davidson means that everything that I would have thought automatically is out the door. It's true. It's a completely valid point. You're right. We have to abandon all 
I guess, previous thought process because this is just so wild and so not what we expected. But I need to just say a quick fantasy that I had while you were talking. Imagine Kim is sitting down in that confessional on the show. She's in the black velvet outfit. And as she's talking about texting him, the actual text that dated timestamped shows up on the screen and we get the back and forth, not as a screenshot, but it's like, as she's talking, it comes up her text and then his white bubble and then her blue bubble. Like, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but as I say that, don't you get something that at least resembles that of chills? Yeah. I mean, fully chills. There's no resembling. Like my whole body is filled with chills. I, the thing that I like, how do they text? Like, what do they talk about? What do they say to each other? Like, I, are they funny over text? Like, is Kim sending just LMAOs all day? Like, I, you don't understand. Like, it's almost overwhelming to have this level of needing to know in my own mind because I'll never, again, I will never have all of the information I have until I am reading every single text exchange between the two of them. I can't picture it. Like, I can picture them together. I can see the sexual chemistry. I can see how happy she is. In terms of their conversation and what they talk about and how they interact with each other, I'm still coming up a little blank. I think they voice note. I'm just going to throw it out there. I know, obviously, I am partial to voice notes, but we know that Pete's not huge on his phone. And yes, I mean, realistically, his screen time would go up exponentially for Kim. And I think he'd be thrilled with that possibility. But I just could see a world in which he really appreciates the art and the ease of a voice note. And she gets on board with that because she likes hearing his voice and she likes being able to show him that she's laughing. By the way, like <laughs> I could just keep going. Like this could end, this could end in like fully explaining the first, like the way in which they kiss for the first time post Jasmine and Aladdin. Like I could, I could really just keep going because now my mind is on a constant wheel. You know that meme about Parmesan cheese where it's like, okay, tell me when to stop. And the waiter's like, no, please, I have a family. Like, <laughs> that's how I feel talking about Kim and Pete. Like we are, it's just the two of us. Like, do you understand? It is just me and you sitting in a room on recording. If somebody doesn't physically come in here and stop us, I, I don't know how I'll stop. <laughs> Julie, you and I have spent the last, what, 22 or so days together, living together in the same apartment. Every single day, we spend every waking moment together. And by the way, we have a podcast where we discuss this for at least two hours a week on air. We still spend at least an hour of our own time every single day just hypothesizing. It's, yeah, you're right. It's an insatiable desire. And I'm okay with that because I think I don't ever really fully want to be satiated. I think it's fun. I do too. And by the way, there's the difference between the Ben Affleck and J-Lo conversation and this. Because while I agree that with Ben Affleck and J-Lo, it carries so much more weight because of the past and because of just the iconicness of the 2000s and everything that came with that relationship. The fact of the matter is that that conversation can come to a close. Like we can find out enough information to be satisfied. Like they reconnected, we find out how, they decided that this was the love of their life all along. Like that's a conversation that we can have and be done with in the matter of oh, an hour. I mean, I can talk about it forever, but we could get all of our questions answered and we could run out of things to talk about. This right here, I'll never run out. No, and that's why we consciously stop ourselves because we know that obviously not everybody listening feels the same way as we do. And that's okay. I don't expect people to. I would not say that we're the norm. But I want to go back for a second to the E! News thing that came out this week, which of course, take it with a grain of salt, but apparently a source told E! News that Kim was happy Pete stuck up for himself to Kanye. Quote, Pete has really been a great partner and has been there for her through all of this. It's been a really stressful time dealing with Kanye and coordinating the kids with him. Kim is also really thankful Pete is extremely understanding and chill and is very happy he's sticking out for himself. 
She thinks it's completely nonsense how Connie is acting and enough is enough. She's so happy Pete spoke out and hopes Connie can now move on. Again, take it with a grain of salt. It didn't come from her mouth directly, but that's pretty on par with what I felt because I know that there is no world in which Pete would have ever had those screenshots posted without Kim's permission. And even if later on she decided, you know what, that wasn't the right move, it was better to kind of not touch it or for him to go about it in potentially a different way. I still think in the moment he got her full permission to post it, don't you? Like, isn't there no world in which he would have just went rogue and done that? No, absolutely no way. And the main reason there being like, I think Pete respects her too much to do that. I think he respects her and their relationship too much to rock the boat in any way that wasn't 100,000% approved, especially when it comes to Kanye, which is the most unknown variable in Kim's life right now. Yeah, I think that he respects her too much, but I also think he probably has an acknowledgement that he's the least critical component of all of this at the moment. Yes, he is one of the main targets of Kanye's hatred at the moment. And it's not like, he he's walking away without being at all affected. But realistically, he could walk away tomorrow and be relatively unscathed by this entire situation. Whereas this is Kim's life and for forever. I mean, she is tied to Kanye on some level for eternity. And so I think that he has a real understanding of that and is never going to do anything that is maybe a fun or easy thing for him in the moment, but then seriously overcomplicates things for her in the future. I just, I don't think they could have a sustainable relationship if he was operating from that, which is why it made the text being posted even more interesting because you know that there was a conversation that transpired between him and her in which she said something to the effect of like, do it. I don't know what happened leading up to that conversation where she said, you know what, I like you standing up for yourself or, you know what, I like you doing this because it shows the full narrative. I don't know what her exact reasoning was, but we know it ended with her saying, just do it. And that's kind of wild. It must be so important for Kim to make Pete feel heard and validated and seen and understood throughout all of this. I think that she never wants Pete to feel like he has to take the brunt of it. I think that Kim goes into the situation understanding the fact that like Pete is choosing to be here and choosing to be with her throughout all of this. And obviously when we look at the dynamic of this relationship, Pete is the lucky one. Like there's no question here. Like Pete gets to date Kim Kardashian. That's the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And I think Kim knows that fact. I think Kim also knows that this must be mentally draining for Pete. This is a really tough position for him to be in. And this is a position that most people would not choose to put themselves through. And so I think that as much as this does affect Kim, and she is the main person affected by this, she also wants Pete to know that she sees his side of it as well. And that is, A, probably why this relationship continues to work despite every factor going on, but also why Kim was so in favor of Pete standing up for himself and also posting those on social media. Right. And the thing that we've spoken about a lot is how it appears that Kim feels really safe with him. And she feels like there's a sense of stability that she was maybe lacking or yearning for. But the element that maybe we haven't discussed enough or haven't acknowledged enough is that he also probably feels really safe, especially amidst, I mean, so much chaos that he randomly was thrown into. Like Kim would be going through this with Kanye regardless of who she was dating. Maybe it's amplified because it's Pete, but still, whoever the person was would kind of be in the hot seat most likely. But clearly she must be doing something internally in their own relationship that equips him with that sense of safety and like emotional security. And that's a really important thing. And I, I don't know, I just I can't believe it's real. Can't believe it's happening. Can't believe we get to witness it. And 
on top of all of this, we talk about the boys and I, we talk about Reen's baseball game, then to see him picking her up at the Van Nuys airport and those blurry shots of them kissing in the car, you know, like that is just what I would consider happiness. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. I quickly wanted to talk about this video that Sean Mendes posted. We'll put the link in the description in case anyone didn't see it, but it was a video that he posted on Instagram where he's kind of talking about his breakup with Camila for kind of the first time. This was him speaking, you know, on video and he said, and I quote, you don't realize that like when you're breaking up with someone, you think it's the right thing. You don't realize all the shit that comes after, which is who do I call when I'm like in a panic attack? Who do I call when I'm fucking on the edge? I think that's the reality that kind of hit me. It's like, oh, I'm on my own now. Now I feel like finally I'm actually on my own and I hate that. That's my reality, you know? And I just got to say, I'm not saying that there was anything profound there. I think he's, you know, really just experiencing the very real emotions that people experience after breakups, but he didn't have to put that out there. And I think it's cool that he did is, is kind of like the simplest version of my point, because I don't think that they were bullshitting in the maturity of their initial statements where they basically said, you know, we need to do this for ourselves. It has nothing to do with our feelings towards one another. You know, we're always going to operate with respect. I think that's all there and all very real. But they laid that as the groundwork. So he never, quote, owed the public a more in real time explanation of how he was feeling. And so I just think that it's not only vulnerable, but it also is completely against the like very toxic masculinity that you see a lot of these breakups being handled with. And did I have my thoughts about their relationship? Absolutely. But can I appreciate that completely? Yeah, of course. And I mean, just going off of the, did I have my thoughts thing? The fact of the matter is no matter what anybody thought of their relationship, factually, they spent so much time together. They were constantly together and they were clearly that person for each other. And so for Sean to talk about what it's like to then 
sit in the aloneness of it all is really interesting and something that I don't know if I was necessarily expecting him to say, but once I watched that video and saw him say it, it was something that clicked in my mind and made sense that that would be what he was doing. The other thing that was interesting about the video, which was such a small part of it, but for him to word it as when you're breaking up with somebody, because that is what we thought happened. And that is what every outlet reported, that he was the one that kind of initiated this breakup. She was heartbroken, but also you know, knew that it was for the best. And so for him to confirm that piece of information in that little line in a much grander video, I just thought that was interesting. Obviously, it was not the point of it, but we did get that tiny little piece of confirmation there. That's how I took it. You, so you, you're saying you took it the same way, right? Like that wasn't just the choice of words he used. No, it felt like very intentional verbiage to me. I mean, if had it been a really just a mutual decision or it had been her, like I think the term somebody would have used would have been like when you go through a breakup, but instead he specifically said when you're breaking up with somebody. No, that's exactly how I took it as well. I just didn't know if I was looking too much into it. But yeah, I mean, listen, at times was their relationship public? Yeah, there was a lot of paparazzi photos, especially during quarantine and there was that kissing video. But in general, I wouldn't say it was the type of thing where they were letting the public in on every single aspect. And so he could have gotten away with not doing this. And I guess I just appreciate that he did because it like showed that you're allowed to express sadness without having the fear that you come across as like, quote, weak, or like you're the one that's at a loss. It's just a very real take on what's happening. And you know how many people, non-famous people experience that every single day when going through a breakup? By the way, not even a romantic breakup, even with a friend. It's like that person's your person and all of a sudden they're not there. It's just a real concept that I'm, I'm happy he said. And that's what I really like about Sean Mendes. I think he's really open in that way. And just going off of what you said for a second, I think it is really important in terms of their relationship and the way that the public viewed them, that he did this because, and by no means am I saying this in a way that invalidates them, but their relationship was one of like the quote teeny bopper relationships of our generation. They were both very young. They were both pop stars. That's how they met. When you look back at relationships and when we were younger, they kind of align with that sort of teen relationship. Obviously they're a little bit in their twenties and it was a little bit more serious, but I think the way that we kind of viewed it is that. And so for them to be that not guiding force, but for them to be an example for younger people going through breakups to be able to say like, yeah, there's a really healthy way to handle this. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to voice that upset. You're even allowed to be the person who initiated the breakup and still feel upset and alone after that is a really important message to put out. And I think that's why Sean specifically is so successful and people relate to him so well because they get that vibe from him and understand it so well. And I don't know. I think that he is a really great role model for young people, especially young men. No, I feel the same way. And I know she hasn't spoken about it in this exact way, but she spoke about it a little bit to Zane Lowe. And she's also pretty open in, I think, just like the expression of her emotions. And I, I guess I just appreciate that from people and from celebrities. Yeah. I mean, she's the one that kind of put it into a song and made it seem like there was a little bit more negative energy, not totally negative energy. It was her creative expression, but you definitely got the vibe and the understanding of the way they're both processing this breakup differently. Yeah, totally. Is there anything else that you would like to mention at all from about anything? May I go back to Kardashians for one second? Yeah. I think Skim Swim Miami was the event of the season. I'll say it. And by the way, bucket list, add eating Carbone on Kim Air to mine because holy shit, I can't think of a something that would top that. 
Okay, for anybody that didn't see it, what Julie's referring to was Kim stylist Danny's Insta story. I'll put the link to her Instagram in the description because I feel like not everyone that would want to follow her is following her because her presence on Instagram, I guess, I don't know, it's a little unique. If you looked at her grid, you wouldn't think it's a must follow. It's not that many behind the scenes. It's a lot of kind of artistic inspiration, but every now and again, you'll get a great behind the scenes glimpse from her stories. And what Julie's referring to is that she posted an Insta story of them eating Carbone on Kim Air on the flight back from Miami to LA. And in it, you could just see the entire neutral tone of Kim's jet, the neutral linens. I mean, the whole thing is just, it's just, it's just the goal. I, I, I don't know what else to say other than that just looked like quite the 24 hours. Fuck, Mary kill. Kim Air, Kylie Air, Drake Air. Uh, kill Kylie Air, fuck Drake Air, marry Kim Air. Yeah, that was the right answer. For sure, yeah. the right answer. For sure, the right answer. It's like Kylie Air is maybe what you think you want to fuck, and then you see Drake Air and, and you change your mind. Anything associated with Drake is the thing I want to fuck, for sure. Right, yeah. I guess that's a little bit of a personal choice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well... <laughs> That was fun. <laughs> we should end every episode with the fuck, Mary kill of just like various celebrity owned objects. I would love to. <laughs> okay. Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you later this week. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.